So hopefully you had a chance to look up uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, most of you are probably using phones, but some of you bring in the Bible. We haven't put the Bibles back in the pews yet. We're kind of waiting uh, until we get through this next phase of uh, COVID and, and Delta and all that other stuff. Um, so uh, we want you to be looking at the passage of Scripture throughout the week. It's easy for you because you just turn to Hebrews chapter 11. We've been in it for weeks and weeks. Uh, but we're going deep. We want to we wanna know more and more about how to live our lives by faith. By faith. And as Matt read at the beginning, you know, faith is defined in the very first verse of chapter 11. It says, now faith is being sure, right? Being sure uh, of the substance of things. We looked at this uh, when, we, when we began this in August. Of the substance of things that we hope for. And it's the evidence of things not seen. So often what we want to see is evidence. We want to we be able to touch and feel and hear, you know, the evidence. Uh, evidence of things not seen. So we have this definition. Um, I was given another definition this week by one of the members of the church in a book that she lets me use um, for this study. And it's a, it's a great definition. It's by Andrew Murray. Faith is the unceasing reaching out heavenward of a spiritual sense to which things future and unseen reveal themselves as near, as present, as living, and as powerful in our lives. I like that. I like that definition. It helps to open up a little bit more understanding as to how I am to live by faith. I am to live in the sense of these things that have been promised, these things that have been given to us in Christ Jesus actually exist. And they don't just exist for the future, but they also exist for this present moment, these present situations, these present testings and trials that we're in. We need faith in those as well. So this morning, as we look at Moses, we're going to see that he experienced uh, a lot of stressful situations, starting with his parents. But, but in those situations, he was able to act by faith, be able to do the things that God instructed him to do, even though he didn't understand them. And he was able to see then the product of faith from the invisible world. The fact that miracles did happen when God instructed him and empowered him to bring about those miracles for God's glory and for God's people. Now, we're going to start just by making sure we don't forget sort of where we left off. And if you look at Hebrews chapter 11, um, we want to start with this verse 22, because we kind of go from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know who they are, right? Abraham was Isaac's dad and Jacob's granddad. But now we're talking about Joseph in verse 22. Joseph is Abraham's great-grandson. So he's still close to the man and the men that God continued to give his promises to. He's very close. He's heard it. But now Joseph lives in Egypt. Joseph had been sold off as a slave, and he, he now lives in the land of Egypt, and God used him powerfully there. So Joseph, Abraham's great-grandson, is a member of this hall of fame, this hall of faith that we have here in chapter 11. We don't want to skip over him. You should go back and, and, and read what, what took place in the book of Genesis. And then from verse 22 to 23, we skip 400 years into the future. So now we're great, 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 grandpa, right? So we were very close to the nuclear family, but now we're 400 years into the future. 
And Joseph is speaking in Hebrews chapter 50. He speaks to the people. He knows that his life here on earth is ending and he is not in his promised land. He's not in the land that God promised to his descendants. And so he says, God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land that he promised to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He's speaking to the people of Israel in, in, in Egypt. His father, Joseph, uh, gave them this reminder of God's promise just before he died. And he then said, take my bones with you. When you go, when, it, when God comes and rescues you, take my bones with you. He was so sure, and he didn't want to be buried there in a foreign land. He wanted to be back where he had originally come from. And he was so sure of it that he left this faith statement and, with, with his people. So as the, the preacher of Hebrews, remember this book is being preached to a congregation of Hebrew Christians after Christ has ascended, you know, after the cross, but they know their history. They know their heroes. This is what they were brought up on in the synagogues. They know the stories. He's introducing to them a theme that he feels is going to be really helpful to them in their present moment. He's just not a history teacher. He is teaching them some history and reminding them of the history of faith. But he knows that in their present moment, they're under stress. There's going to be persecution. There already is this pressure to leave this new idea about Christ and go back to the Old Testament. He encourages them to not be afraid. And we're going to see that in these passages. There's actually five acts of faith where faith triumphs over fear. I want you to see them. They're in verse 23, 24, 25, 26, and 27. I'll read that passage and then we'll, we'll, we'll take it apart a little bit. So starting in verse 24, by faith, I'm sorry, verse 23, by faith, they all start with by faith, by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born. Now, why did they hide him? You'd have to go back to Exodus to know why, but the Pharaoh was killing off all the boys. He didn't want these slaves to get any stronger or bigger as a nation. He wanted to keep them down. But these parents, they hid this baby for three months because they saw, now pay attention to that word, they saw that he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter and he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. See the theme here that we've seen? You know, they're, they're looking ahead. They're looking forward to a reward. God rewards those who look forward to that and believe in him. Verse 27, by faith he then left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw, he saw him who was invisible. How do you see something that's invisible? Well, not with your natural eye, but with your eyes of faith, which we'll talk about. Verse 28, 
By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. And lastly, by faith, the people, the Israelites, they passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. He's covering chapters and chapters and chapters of the book of Exodus. Read that this week. These are some of the most exciting events that take place in the people of God's history. These big events which brought about this big rescue of an entire nation of people from slavery. So the preacher wants to remind them of these things, not just because they need to be good history students, but because they will need the same type of fearless faith to face the things in their life, whether personal or corporate as a church, that they need to face. They need to know that they can stand firm and not be afraid. He wants to build up the courage of his congregation. I want to build up the courage of my congregation too. We need to be courageous. We're having a hard time. This pandemic is beating down on us. We need to be able to stand firm together in faith and do what God has called us to do as a people of God. We need to have fearless faith. See, Moses' life demonstrates a fearless perseverance of faith in the face of very powerful opposition. The Pharaoh of Egypt was the most powerful man in the world. And as you know from the story of the Exodus and the story of the plagues, Moses had to keep facing this powerful man of this powerful nation. So he needed to not be afraid, to not let the stress allow him to to fall away from what God is calling him to do. In every stressful situation and event in Moses' life, the power of God was revealed when they stood fearlessly before God. It's the power of God. It's not the power of Moses. We have to remember this. When we study a a biblical person, whether it's Paul, whether it's Moses, whether it's Abraham, it's not the person that we're revering. It's the power of God released in that person to do what only God can do. And he found a willing person who would obey him by faith. So we all know that when you put the squeeze on someone, when you when you put a lot of pressure on someone, what's really inside of them sometimes slips out, right? Have you had that experience? Someone was just telling me about that in the parking lot this morning. Sometimes when they get bumped, what spills out isn't faith, isn't blessing. It tends to be from another source. And as we are worked on by the Holy Spirit, we continue to to, to get in situations that reveal that to us and show us how desperately we need God inside of us to come out. You know, there's, there's these famous scenes in, in, in a lot of the gangster movies, right, where, where someone takes these pruning shears and puts someone's finger, fingers between it and says, you know, tell me the truth, tell me the truth, tell me the truth, and, you know, and I always get freaked out because I use pruning shears a lot in my garden and I wouldn't want someone to take them to my hand. You know, it's nasty. Um, But that's one of the threats, right? But what happens is then they end up telling the truth. They end up giving the evidence or or saying what they they didn't want to say. The pressure is on and so they get squeezed by these intimidating people and what comes out is what they didn't want to come out. 
the truth about where, where the witness is hiding or whatever in the movie. See, faith under pressure requires us to have great courage in order to persevere and stay strong. It's not easy to be a Christian. It just isn't. If you're trying to make it easy, you're going to frustrate yourself. It's not easy. It's difficult to resist all that the world is pressuring on us, all the things that it it, it lays before us, all the things that it tries to, to make us conform to. To resist all that takes courage. And God wants to build courage up in his people so that we won't give up, so that we won't turn back, that we'll continue to go forward and seeing God by faith and seeing what God can do in his present power. Now, I want to, we're shifting sort of from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who were always looking forward. Faith was the thing that motivated them to, to look forward and to continue trudging along to a situation where now Moses is in the trenches and he needs the power and presence of God at this very moment. So yes, he's looking forward and it says he looks forward to his reward, but he also needs God right now. He needs him right now in the situations that he finds himself and the people of God find themselves in as well. And so God has given us a very special sense as believers. He's given us not just physical eyes to see. He's given us eyes of faith. Eyes of faith. The people in this story, the people in this chapter here, are seeing with another set of eyes. They're not seeing with their physical eyes. They're seeing with these eyes of faith what God is calling them to do so that they're able to resist great temptation, stand against great intimidation, and stand firm in the midst of stress. So we'll start with Moses' parents since that's where we're starting this morning in verse 23. Moses had parents, believe it or not, um, and they're listed in, in the book of Exodus. But Moses had these parents... And by faith, it says, they hid their child because they saw that he was no ordinary child, which made them brave enough to go against the king's edict, right? To rebel against what the king said, because the king basically said that they had to turn their children over to death. They acted in faith because God let them know somehow that Moses was no ordinary child. They were convinced that God had a special purpose for their son. I don't know how they became convinced of this. We don't see it in the narrative here. But somehow they knew God had chosen their son for a very special purpose. They probably didn't know what it was, but they knew he he needed to be protected. His life needed to go on so that God could use him. And because of their fearless faith, they could see what unbelievers couldn't see. Because they were using their eyes of faith. They were seeing that God was at work keeping his promises. They saw that with their eyes of faith. God is at work here, keeping his promises. We want to cooperate with his work. We want to do what he's asked us to do as as part of his plan. And because they could see by faith that God was at work, they then refused to conform to what the world was telling them to do. This is what we need too, people. We need to know that God is at work so that we can stand and resist and not do what the world is tempting us to do. We need to stand firm. They were not afraid. They did not give in, even to the king who held them in slavery. This guy could snuff them out in a moment. 
He was an intimidating guy. It was an intimidating time in the history of God's people. They stood against that. They were able to not be intimidated by a small king because they knew the big king. They knew that God was king over the small kings, right? Often we get that messed up. We, we, we think, oh, you know, this is a big and intimidating person or a big intimidating problem. You have to get eyes of faith to say, wait, I have a bigger God who's more powerful than any of this or any of them. That's what Moses' parents did for him. They believed that God was God and he was king of kings. And so this big king who looked big from human perspective with their eyes of faith all of a sudden didn't look so big and scary anymore. Now he didn't change, but they changed their perspective. They knew that God was at work just as we are to know God is at work right now in Christ Jesus. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and you and you and me. He's at work. He's not on vacation. He's not asleep. God is at work. And just as Moses' parents needed to believe that God was at work in the life of their son, we too are to believe that God is at work not just in us, but in our children and in our spiritual children and in the church. And so then they had the strength and courage to resist the pressure and intimidation of those who oppose God and God's plan. So Moses' parents acted fearlessly against the opposition because they could, by faith, see God's hand at work. Now, parents, listen to me. You need to, by faith, see God's hand at work in your kids. He's at work. Sometimes your kids are going crazy, but you just got to remind yourself, by faith, God's at work. God's at work, and he wants me to cooperate with him so that he may bring out their full potential as children of God. When our kids are little, we pray over them, we believe that God has a plan for them, that God gave them to us, and we are stewards of their lives. But as they get older and they get a little meaner, sometimes we give up on that. We got to have eyes of faith to believe, no, wait a minute, God's at work here. I got to stand in faith and believe that God is at work in my child's life. He gave this child life for a purpose. And the purpose is to bring glory to God. Now, how can I help that take place? That's what Moses' parents did. So they put him in a little basket and they put him in a river and they floated him away so that he wouldn't get killed, right? So they did what they could do to allow God's plan to be fulfilled in their children's life. I want you and I want me and I want my wife as parents to do that. We want to do what we can do to allow God's purposes to be fulfilled in our children's lives. Because God is a generational God from generation to generation to generation. Our faith must be passed on to our children. And we do that by providing for them protection, provision, and lots and lots of prayer. Lots and lots of prayer. Getting ourselves lined up with God's purposes for them. That's my little side note for parents here this morning. Let's look at verse 24. Verse 24, it says, Moses rejects worldly living, right? He, 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 he knew the message from last week. The message from last week, I have a slide here, Tom, that we, we looked at this, this verse that Jesus spoke where he said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. It's like Moses knew somehow by the Spirit that he couldn't serve Egypt and be a son of Pharaoh's daughter and serve God's people at the same time. 
He couldn't be in both places at once. He couldn't have two identities. I'm a child of Egypt and I'm a child of God. He couldn't do it because we're not created to have that dualism going on inside of us. Often that's where our struggle is, people. We talked about this last week. Often we're trying to be both. We're trying to be attached to the world and all the things of this world and be attached to the vine. And we have to detach from the world and attach ourselves to Jesus, the vine. That was the message from last week. Well, look at Moses actually did that. Moses decided fearlessly to put all his loyalty into God's people, into God's plan. In Exodus 2, it's mentioned there. Moses was brought up in absolute luxury. He was an heir to the kingdom of Egypt. But one day, by faith, it says, he gave that all up for the sake of God's people. He gave it all up. He refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter or Pharaoh's grandson. Moses detached himself from the world and attached himself to the people of God. And again, my challenge from last week, have you done that? Have you decided to follow Jesus and only Jesus? Because you can't follow the world, meaning the system of the world, the values of the world, your old nature, your sin nature, and follow Christ. They don't compute. It doesn't work that way. You'll have a breakdown, right? Moses was called by God, and in order to follow God, he had to renounce his old life so that he could embrace his new life. And that's the same for each and every one of us. We can't miss this truth. This is so important to us. This is why, like I said, there's a lot of frustration sometimes inside of us because we have not fully detached ourselves or been willing to surrender the things of our old life We want to keep some of them. Some of them are our pet projects. And God wants us to surrender those things to him. It's not easy. Verse 25 says he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God. Now, in this this historical place where Moses is, he identified himself with the slaves. He went from being, you know, a king, a prince of Egypt... To a slave. He chose that. Do you know Jesus chose that as well? In the book of Philippians, it says he set aside his godhood. Somehow he took off the fact that he was God of the universe and he chose to identify himself with us, the slaves of sin, so that he could become our deliverer. There is a reason for it. He didn't just do it because he's a nice guy. He did it because it's God's plan to bring about deliverance for God's people. So Moses chooses God's people as his very own. And I love this in verse 26. Don't miss this because the preacher in Hebrews didn't want his people to miss this because it's a very important part of this message for them. It says, he regarded disgrace for the sake of... Anybody see it in the script? For the sake of Christ, as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Now, just think about that for a moment. Moses lived many, 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 many years before Christ. This is how we know that Christ is also God. Because the the words are interchangeable. But here, the preacher of Hebrews, he wanted his people to know because they had now chosen to 
come out of sort of Old Testament belief. They were historically Hebrews. They grew up with the whole Old Testament. And they had now embraced Christ. And this is what they were being criticized for. How can you leave your heritage? How can you leave your tradition? How can you insult your ancestors like that? Now, the author here, the one who's speaking to them, says Moses embraced Christ. Moses, who you look up to, who brought us the law, who, who set up you know, the, the nation of Israel for us, who brought us out of, of Egypt and out of slavery. Moses embraced Christ. So you too should embrace Christ. Now, we're not Old Testament believers, but that was a powerful message for them. And he makes sure that they knew that Christ was embraced by Moses and that by doing that, he also was persecuted. So as we go on there, he, you know, it says uh, that he was looking ahead for his reward. Now, the verb tense in this is not just that he looked ahead to his reward once or twice or even on Sundays. It's the verb tense, and we don't have it because we're not Greek scholars, but the verb tense here is, is an active verb. He kept looking ahead to his reward. Day and night, he kept looking ahead to his reward. Continuously, he kept looking ahead to his reward. Now, if you're looking at something, you can't be looking at other things. You're, you're, you're focused Right? So he stayed focused on his reward. Now remember what it says in the book of Hebrews, right here in chapter 11. It says, God will reward us when we faithfully follow him by faith. So he's looking ahead, and this is a key to having courage or being fearless and not giving up, is keeping our attention on Christ. I was talking to a dad this week about this, about something like this. And we were saying, like, you know, Sometimes the only way to motivate your kids is like give them candy. You know, like, you want some candy? Clean your room, right? And I said, you know, God kind of does that for us in, in the Bible. He says, you know, I got this great place for you. It's awesome there. There is no sin there. There is no sickness there. There is no disease there. There is no violence there. There is no COVID there. There is this beautiful place. It's a wonderful place I prepared for you. So... Clean your room. Clean up your life. Live for me for a little while, and then I'll be back soon. I love that Jesus says soon. So it keeps us hopeful, right? I'll be back soon to bring you there so that you can be with me there. What an what a awesome reward, right? So God does that as well. So if you took a bucket of candy and just sort of gave it to your kids, they're not motivated for nothing except getting cavities, right? They're just going to eat all the candy up. If you take a bucket of candy, put it at the top of a mountain and say, kids, we're going on a hike. And at the top of the mountain, there's a giant bucket of candy for each of you. That motivates them, right? It keeps them going so that when they scratch their leg or they feel a little tired or they want to sit down and go home, you just remind them, but don't you want the candy? Don't you want the candy? It's, it's there. We're almost there. Keep going. We'll be there soon. God does that for us. He reminds us in his word, and he wants us to remind each other the good things that are in store for us. That's not a fairy tale. That's the truth of God's word. It's the gospel message. We're not meant to live in this world forever. Some people think this world is partially hell itself, right? Depending on what they're going through and have gone through. 
We are meant for another world, a better world, a perfect world. And that's why the imperfections of this world get to us because it's not in our nature. It's not supposed to be that way. That's why injustices bother us because we know that it should be better than this. People should be better than this. People should treat each other better than this. But because they don't, it bothers us. Well, we're created for a place where people do treat each other better than this, where there is joy everlasting, where there is no night that says there's no darkness there. God has created this place where there's only light and there's only good and there's only blessing. And that's where he wants us to be. But in order to get there, we have to persevere. We have to persevere through this life and we have to know what his plan is for us so that we can follow him in that plan. Now, here's the thing, the last one. Moses sees who is invisible. He sees who is invisible. Now, this is not a contradiction of verse 1. That's why we read verse 1 at the beginning of service. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So if, if this verse over here says Moses sees him who is invisible, then Moses didn't have faith because Moses saw something that you have to have faith to see. That's God, God's work, God's actions. Moses got to experience all kinds of amazing miracles, but he wasn't seeing God. He was seeing the product of God's power, the product of God's mercy, the product of God's ability to do the impossible. So Moses was able to see, and because he could see God's power revealed in some of the miracles, like the ones even Tanya, you know, the early miracles when he got the leprosy or when his staff was turned, because he could see that, he was not afraid of the king's anger. This is not referring to, this verse in verse 27 is not referring to the first time Moses left. We know he left out of fear when he murdered the Egyptian Scripture actually says it. So his first leaving. This is the Exodus leaving. This is his second leaving. The second final leaving when Moses left Egypt for good and he left with all the children of Israel with him after his big showdown with the, with the Pharaoh. He persevered because he saw him who, was in, who is invisible. The preacher isn't referring to any of the visual experiences that Moses had, like the burning bush. Even in the tabernacle, there was, a, there was like a Shekinah glory. There was something that took place when Moses would go into the tabernacle and he would speak to God. There were these experiences. He wasn't referring to this. What he is referring to is seeing with the eyes of faith the way that we need to see. Because people of faith see when they are living in the light of the knowledge of who God is, they, say, they see who God is and they see what God is able to do or what he has promised. Tom, there's a slide for this. Who God is and what he, what he has promised. This is seeing with eyes of faith. Who is God? Well, he's revealed to us in scripture. He's revealed to us personally in, in, in the role that he has in our lives through the Holy Spirit. We see him that way. We also see him in his promises. We see his goodness. We see his grace. We see his love. We see his mercy. We see his forgiveness. 
So you can see something without seeing it with physical eyes. It's like when you're working with your math teacher or you're, you're listening to someone to explain something and then all of a sudden the light comes on and you go, oh, I see. Now, that doesn't mean I'm seeing something with my physical eyes. That means I, I understand. Oh, I get it. I get it. God is good. I get it. God has forgiven me. I get it. God has a plan for my life. That's seeing God even though he himself is invisible to us at this point. So he's not saying that, God actually, that Moses actually saw God with his physical eyes. He's seeing God with his eyes of faith. Moses had the fearless faith that he had to face the most powerful man in the world at that time because he knew who God was and he knew the way in which God did things. Moses had fearless faith that he had because he knew God in the way that he knew God. That's another way of saying it. In the way that he knew God. So how do you know God? How do you know him? Hopefully you know him through his word. Hopefully you know him through your experience with him as a a sinner who's been saved by grace and set on the right path in life. But how do you know him? Now, this is not intellectual knowledge. This is relational knowledge. I've said this before many times, but it helps to clarify this. I can study and read books and learn lots of things and know a lot about George Washington, but I don't know George Washington relationally. He died before I was born. I know I look old, but I'm not that old, right? He died before I was born. So I don't know him that way. I can know about him. This is the key to having fearless faith. Knowing God relationally. As a person who you relate to on a regular basis. That's the key to having faith. You know God. And you know he's not given up on you. And you know he's there with you in the midst of your trials. And you know he has an answer for your prayers. Might not be the one you're expecting, but he's going to answer. You know he listens to you because you're his child. You know these things because of your relationship with him. Because Moses wasn't some super special person. It's not like he was favored more than you and I. Moses became actually a friend of God, it says. A friend of God. Like they could speak face to face. We're encouraged to be friends of God. Jesus spoke of of his disciples becoming his friends, right? Getting into that relationship where, do, do many of you have friends? Do any of you have any friends? Hopefully you have some friends here in the church, but, but, you know, someone that when, when, when things get tough, when things are not going so well, you can go and you can just unbear your, your soul to them. You can tell them. And, and they accept you. They're like, okay, you're a mess. You're a hot mess. But I love you. I love you and I'm going to stick with you through this. That's what a friend is, right? So God is like that for us when we build this relationship with him through the Holy Spirit, through his word, through prayer, through fellowship, so that we can grow in the knowledge, the right kind of knowledge, the relational knowledge that he wants us to have. 
So I I, want to just read these last couple of verses to you again. Out of that knowledge and out of all the things that went on in Moses' life for God's people to bring about God's purposes, it says in verse 28, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. Moses set set the Passover in place. He he told them, you you need to sacrifice the lamb, you need to take some blood from that lamb, and you need to put it on the doorpost of your your dwelling place. They were still in in some kind of slums or something like that in, in Egypt. And they had to put this blood on the doorpost and then when the angel of death came through and killed all the firstborn in the whole land of Egypt they didn't die they were spared the angel of death couldn't touch them this is also an image of Christ right because of Christ in our lives because he shed his blood for us we don't die for eternity we may die in the physical but we don't die spiritually we live forever The angel of death has no power over us because of the blood of the lamb. And then the last thing that's mentioned that Moses does by faith, and it isn't Moses anymore. In verse 29, it says, by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. We go from Moses' parents to Moses and all the great things that God caused him to do to the people. Now the people of Israel have seen the plagues. They have been rescued from the angel of death and they walk right through that sea. That's what we're called to do is to have faith, to, to trust in God. And even when situations look crazy, we still trust in God. Do you know that God set this scenario up? It's not like the, the Red Sea was a surprise to God. In fact, when Moses and the people, they've, they've done this map, when Moses and the people left Egypt, they weren't, they weren't between the sea and the desert that way. They were going in another direction. And God actually spoke to Moses that turn around and go back. Go back over there in that little corner between the Red Sea and the desert and the army of Egypt. Sounds like a crazy thing to ask him to do. But God wanted to do something even more spectacular even more amazing than just sending them off to the promised land. He wanted them to walk through a sea. Now, maybe you've gone to SeaWorld and you've seen the people put the bubble on their head and they go down. Or maybe you've been on a cruise and you put those weights on and they sink you down and you've done it yourself. But we're not made to walk through a sea. You know, we're not fish. God wanted them to have this experience that all of them together could share. So that together... They could have the faith like Moses had and like Moses' parents had and like hopefully we have in Christ. He wanted to encourage the whole flock, all of them, to walk through those walls of water. God wants your faith to grow as well. He doesn't just want it to be based on one man or one woman or one person. My grandparents had great faith. Oh, my pastor has great faith. Or this person who discipled me had great faith. He wants you and me and all of us to have great faith. So let's stand together. God, we thank you so much for your work in our lives. We thank you that by faith, we are no longer slaves of this world. By faith, you have delivered us from death through the blood of the Lamb. We thank you, Lord, that we walk 
in miracles because we are walking miracles. The fact that you could take a sinner and wash them clean of all that sin and set them on a path to heaven is a miracle. So we thank you for the miracle of salvation. We thank you for the faith that we have in Jesus Christ that what he did is sufficient and is enough to bring us through this life and every situation in this life to our final reward with you in heaven. So God, I ask you to help me and help my brothers and sisters to grow in our faith. Forgive us when we're faithless. Forgive us when we freak out and we want to go back. Help us to walk through these walls and to see your great, great power in this life and in the life to come. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 